0: Welcome to Watermarks Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host John McGee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, hey friends, welcome back. I'm joining the studio again with one of our teaching pastors, T. A. Timothy Atique. Brother, welcome back. Thanks, John. Good to see you. So Good to be I, with was, you. I was on an email today, getting ready for our Dallas Leadership Retreat, and got a very detailed schedule, like from start to finish, uh, all the days we were there. And the very last thing on one of the days was. <laughs> TA puts on his socks. <laughs> so it was a, it was a jab. It was a, a, a callback to something you shared publicly. So since you did share it publicly. Why don't you share with our friends, one of your quirks, one of your idiosyncrasies, I would say. So you want to share that before we talk about things that actually matter?
1: Uh, I cannot sleep at night unless I'm wearing socks. I can't believe
0: you just shared that publicly
1: hey man restless leg syndrome <laughs> affects tens of people every year <laughs> all, all across your zip code exactly it's yeah. so do you does that really help though it does man are these it
0: like is. we know you know, you didn't get this personal but are these like the uh, compression no, socks? no 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 no. We're not these there are yet. just
1: these are just ankle socks but it's the leg not the
0: ankle that makes uh, it's the, you know it's,
1: it's the it's the blood circulation going to the feet if I'm not wearing socks, I'm just gonna twitch my That's foot. Placebo,
0: you, yeah. you've talked yourself into it.
1: Whatever it is, I cannot sleep without <laughs> socks. Okay. Literally, if you wanna see me stressed out, take away my socks <laughs> and tell me to go to sleep. That's probably gonna happen then uh, next week when we <laughs> yeah. get away. Okay, don't give Braun any ideas. Exactly. We don't wanna talk about socks
0: <laughs> or restless leg syndrome today. We're talking about something serious. RLS. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're, <gonna> talk <laughs> we're talking about our staff values. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was we went through a process To pick kind of four values, and actually, Tia, you were on that team, Um, Mm -hmm. so I want to I want to talk about that process. I want to talk about one of the the values, our very first one that you shared with the staff. So, uh, you're going to walk us through even why have staff values and how we chose these four. That whole kind of whole process. What problem were we trying to solve?
1: Yeah, I think the the reason that we even came up with staff values is that it's really helpful for your team if you clarify for them what is the win. Like, what do you want to be true of the staff? What can each staff member embody to be successful here at Watermark? So for us, there was a small team of us that got together that with the end goal of saying, hey, if these things are true of every staff member, we believe that we're going to flourish yeah. here at Watermark. Yeah,
0: we're going to, we are going, this will help us more effectively yeah. uh, accomplish a mission. That's that, right. That, exactly. At the end of the day. And you could have picked eight, we could have picked 10, yep. we picked four. Yeah. There's, so there's no magic number uh, in that, but the probably the win is just clarifying something that you want to have everybody rally around. So yep. you, can, you can kind of keep coming back to it. So we're in the right. very, very beginning stages of rolling this out to the staff. Mm-hmm. And you know, it will it will kind of take on language. It will mean increasingly more through the years. And we, you can always change it. If you don't like it, if it's a shirt that doesn't fit, you can change it. But So we're going to talk about the four values that we came up with and then kind of how we're rolling those out. So Tia, you want to talk just a little bit more about the process just so people can hear from Conception to final product, how that came to be?
1: Yeah. So, this was not an overnight process. This was, I mean, we spent months on this, and I think it's worthy of that amount of time because what you're trying to do is you're trying to identify who do you want your staff to be. And so, there was a small team of us, and what we first started out with is hey, what do we already see at work in our staff? Like, what are the things that we think. Uh, naturally bubbled to the surface in terms of importance, what is already true of us. And so one of the guys on staff did a lot of legwork for us and created pages and pages of things that are already true of our staff. Mm-hmm. And then we took that and we began to work through it. We began to consolidate and lump different things under different categories to really fine-tune and really define, like, what what are the words that best encapsulate everything that is true about us? And so there was kind of the phase of just generating content of what is true of us, and then we went into the uh, wordsmithing phase. Yeah. I mean, so we went from there was acrostics, and then there was things that rhymed, and then there was, I mean, there was several words, and then we, in the end, I mean, we we went back and forth and back and forth, and then we finally landed on four words that we felt like were fitting for Watermark staff. I love
0: it. So the the exercise here is not to kind of advocate for these four values uh, for you as you're listening. It is that uh, you would pick some and uh, and really begin to kind of drive those through the organization there. So you can have clarity and you can really um, help people understand what it looks like to succeed, uh, to do their job, to be on mission, be uniquely you. Like people like us do things like this, you yeah. know. Um, so that's that's what we're talking about here. So uh, the first one of these TA that we came up with was we are dependent on God. So. which I, you know, my first, my first take is, well, of course we're Christians. So you want to talk about just how you got to that one? And then let's talk about what it looks like.
1: Yeah. I think that the, the tendency when you work for a church is to just assume that everyone gets that you're supposed to be dependent. If you're going to be a pastor, you're going to work at a church. And so sometimes we say that things like prayer or reading the scriptures, those are table stakes. Like those are just assumed in what, the effort we made was to say, let's not assume that those things are always happening because, hey, the reality is you get going in ministry and ministry can become very, very busy. I think about a Shane and Shane song from probably back in my college days where they talked about serving God, replacing knowing God. And that is so easy to do in ministry. So we just said, hey, Let's actually make it explicit that we want to be a dependent people. That's good.
0: So the definition that I've got in front of me here, it's multi-sentence, but uh, it's this. We must first get from Jesus what we need to minister to others. Everything we do flows out of our relationship with Jesus, and we work with the strength that he provides. We're not professional Christians who rely on our megachurch resources to be effective, but rather dependent followers of Jesus who receive our daily bread from him. So that would be a a bit of a longer explanation of what we mean by being dependent uh, on God. And so brother, you came to the staff. We're kind of now rolling these out to the staff, having different people share these values. And you came just did a, it was a pretty short presentation just to let our staff in on what this would look like, uh, what we're talking about, what we're calling people to. So I'd love for you just to kind of share with our audience here, what you shared with our staff. Yeah.
1: Well, I think, I think for me, the convicting thought was if I were to if I were to ask the general public or the people in our body, hey, what are the, what is the Watermark staff best known for? How would we be described? And I think that there would be a lot of compliments. I think that people would say things like they do things with excellence, they're passionate people, they're high-capacity activators and achievers, they work hard, they're really caring, they seem to enjoy being together. And all those things are great compliments, but... All those things can be true of an organization or a company where no one knows Jesus. Yep. And so we wanna be decidedly Christ-centered in our values. Yeah. And right. so for us, we just said, we wanna stay, we wanna be dependent people. For me, John 15, 5, It's it it hangs on my wall. It's probably my favorite verse in the scriptures because I think it's the key to life. But Jesus just says, I'm the true vine. Uh, You are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. And then the last part is so convicting. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So at Watermark, we want to take Jesus really seriously. Like we want to live as if he really meant it when he says that apart from me,
0: you can do nothing. One of the parts I loved was you kind of walked through the book of Acts and just gave some examples of uh, the church doing that. Do you mind just kind of uh, moving through those?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there there was a study that I did just through the book of Acts, tracing prayer through the book of Acts. And one of the things that we've said here at Watermark is that we we don't want to just be a staff that prays. We want to be a praying staff. Like prayer is the work of the ministry. And when I walked through the book of Acts, prayer really preceded anything major that happened in the book of Acts. So you think about what is happening before. Uh, Pentecost Acts 1 14 all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers the leaders of the church Acts 6 where they where they delegate it says we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word if you think about what preceded the gospel going to the Gentiles when Peter gets Peter gets his vision what is he doing in Acts 11 he's praying what precedes miracles Acts 12 they are praying. What precedes leaders being sent out to the mission field in Acts 13, they're praying. When elders are appointed in the church, what precedes it? Prayer and fasting. So it just it was it was good for me to see that that prayer wasn't just a transition. You know, sometimes prayer is the transition to starting the meeting. <laughs> Or it's what we use in our worship services to get from one thing to the next. Clear the stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's how we clear the stage or set the podium. Yeah. And it's like, no, prayer is, it is, it is the work of the ministry. And I firmly believe if we're not praying, then we're not doing our jobs, you know? Yeah.
0: So good. You know, I've heard you share some of those, uh, those thoughts before and it just, boy, it just landed in. This time, just going. Yes, why? Why would we not? Why would we not pray more? Yeah. And look, look, look at all the incredible things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- should we plan? Should we be excellent? Yes, of course. But uh, why would we not pray? Yeah. You know, and um, and it made me really want to take uh, additional steps with, in my own life, and then also with my team. We can talk about here in a minute. But um, Ta, what what would that look like? So. You know, what was it that you were actually calling our staff to? Uh, what was it that, you know, in, in your mind, uh, what does this look like in action in terms of being a praying church?
1: Yeah. So I, I think um, really simply, I would just encourage everyone, including myself and anyone listening, evaluate your prayer rhythms and pray more. That I know that's oversimplistic, <laughs> and some people are like, I don't have time to do anything else. And I'm just— I. I would encourage people to evaluate, is prayer really a priority in your church? So when your staff gathers, what place does prayer play in your staff gatherings? Um, When you think about how much prayer is going into preparing for the sermon that's being given or for the worship service that's happening or all the ministries that are happening on Sunday, what place does prayer play in that, you know? is there a prayer deficit yeah and then individually just think about your prayer rhythms i know for me so much of my life john i would say that i majored in the word of god and minored in prayer mm-hmm. like i'm mm-hmm. i'm good at everyday i'm i know i'm going to read the read the scriptures most days and then if anything was going to get squeezed out because of time it'd be prayer but it's like well i I spend time reading the word yeah. and the word of god is the greatest way we get to hear from God and yet God has also given us prayer to speak back to Him, to worship Him, to listen to Him. And so I would just encourage you to think about what does it look like for your team to pray more together to and maybe it's not just more quantity of time, but maybe it's intensity of prayer, just praying more fervently. Um, are there times where you fast and pray together or, you know, before a major event, is there anything that you do special knowing that before Easter, or before Christmas, you're going to be hosting people that aren't normally coming? Are you praying like it's just business as normal? So,
0: so good. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things I've, I've heard you share before that I've, it's really struck with me that one time you're, you're driving to uh, preach, you know, and there was, I think it was a pretty big, pretty big venue. And you just said, you know what? I don't really know there's anything else i have left to pray about yeah like i feel like i'm i am prayed up yeah and so i can you know i can rub the lucky rabbit's foot again yeah. you know and, and run through it but i i feel ready i feel like yeah. i have prayed and i just i've thought about that since like do i feel like there's no, there really is nothing else i know to pray yeah. uh, for but that's the place i want to be you know Spurgeon. and yeah. I, I think i've shared this before on the podcast but spurgeon said that many preachers they uh they walk with a limp up to the pulpit because one of their legs is preparation that's the word Mm -hmm. and the other one is prayer and their prayer leg is is very short and i so every time i you know i go up there i go i don't want to hobble yeah that's uh, right i want to walk with a steady gait of preparation and prayer Um, so as a staff we gather uh once a week and we we do all the things in staff prayer that you would expect us to do we uh we catch up we we talk about um, what what has happened what what is coming up any major announcements, we celebrate whatever needs to be celebrated. And we, we pray together. Yeah. We pray every, every, yeah. every, week together. We spend time uh, praying. Uh, most of the times at our meetings, uh, we'll, we'll carve off some time to pray. Yesterday in our Dallas leadership team meeting, I would say, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to inflate the number TA, but maybe one third of the time we spent together mm-hmm. was probably in, in yeah. prayer. Uh, I know our elders spend a lot of time in mm-hmm. uh, prayer. And so that, you know, as a staff, um, we're trying to take ground in that. And my own individual team, uh, we are now gathering just Thursdays at 8:50. Uh, so we just come in 8:50. There's no bell that rings. We just show up in this one central location, and we just we just start praying. Yeah. And so we don't like share prayer requests as much as we just. Pray, yeah, because you know, we you can spend 20 minutes here yeah, prayer and say <laughs> exactly we don't have right. time to pray, so we just pray. And then we are reading uh, Paul Miller's "The Praying Life" mm-hmm. uh, right now. So we're just great that, for us. That's how we're going to kind of turn the dial. uh on that one. So,
1: well, let me just yep. tack on to what you just said. One of the things that I found really helpful as I spent time with the young adult team here at Watermark is that we we did exactly what you guys are doing. We carved out a time in the week that is reserved solely for prayer. Like it's not, prayer isn't one aspect of the meeting. It is the only agenda item yeah. is to pray. Because sometimes when you when you have other things on the agenda in addition to prayer, then those other agenda items can squeeze out prayer. So for us, Tuesdays at 11, we know that there's gonna be at least 30 minutes that we go into the auditorium And all we're trying to do is heat up the auditorium for the porch coming that Tuesday night. So we will, as a team, we will walk and touch and pray for every seat in the auditorium, or we'll spread out or we'll get on our knees in it. We don't take prayer requests. We just, we just, hey, pray. So yes, I would encourage if your team doesn't have a time that is just devoted to prayer, you might consider carving it out to make sure you do it.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, it probably won't accidentally happen. And, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time on this one, uh, T.A., but one of the things, probably one of my, you know, kind of favorite observations about our staff uh, was someone who was on staff previously came back, they were around us, and uh, they were, they were at the porch and specifically with the team getting ready. And, and they've been, actually, they've been multiple times since they left staff. And they just said, there is a trend line. It is going up and to the right. And it is this this prayer and dependence, you know. It's still a, an amazingly large ministry. God's using it literally around the world. But, you know, what's different is there's more prayer, more dependence. Mm. And uh, I, that was really encouraging, really encouraging to hear. And I think that's uh, well, I know why. That's your leadership and uh, one of the values you brought to that team. So it's been really, really fun to watch. So let, I want to keep us moving. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, yep. that, this, that would be a good one just all by itself. But uh, the next point you made was that um, we want to be – a uh, dependent staff that values sensitivity over and before strategy. What do you yeah. mean by that?
1: Yeah, so this is a quick one, but it's this is something that I that I was convicted about in my own life. My tendency is to just snap into action thinking strategically, like how do we make things different or better? I walk into a room and I'm I'm looking for where the cracks are and how we could change it. Yeah. And uh, Or when I'm planning a sermon series, what is gonna be the most strategic thing and I just felt there was one time where I was meeting with the Lord and I just sensed that the Lord was speaking to me, not audibly, but just saying, hey, sensitivity over strategy. And I think the point was that I i want to get good at asking before activating. Like, I i don't want to assume that just because it's a good idea, it's God's idea. Like, I, I want to sit and create space to, to ask the Lord, what do you want? want. And it's highly inefficient. And we work in a large church, and so efficiency is often really, really helpful. But there is something that is even more productive about carving out the space to be still, to listen, and to allow God to speak in before strategizing, before activating. Because there are some times, admittedly, where we can Start a meeting and end a meeting and make a decision, and at no point do we ask God, "Is that really what you what Is that really what you wanted?"
0: That's good. Uh, Today, one of the uh, one of the guys on my team, his name is Robert Green. He's been in here before. He was the one that talked about uh, management, and you know he's hired literally thousands of people around the world, so he can hire people in his sleep. and And so we were talking about making some additions, some I don't know how to explain it, but like some coaches, people that help. you know, uh, churches implement some of our ministries. And uh, there was a couple of different ways we could potentially solve the problem. And, and again, Robert could kind of close his eyes and do that. It didn't need need, need to pause. But what, one of the things that we talked about it this morning, he said, I've been thinking and praying about this for a while. And I'm pretty sure this is the right move, mm. you know. Which he didn't have to do. Yep. He didn't have to do. He could. Yeah. He's the guy that would ask what we should do, and he could in I real time. Him. And uh, and I just thought, man, way way to go, brother. That's you it. know, more more of that. That's at the micro, uh, and then obviously in the macro. Yep. That's that's ten, That's where we tend to really slow down, and you know, and and ask God just to save us from ourselves. Um, but even in the micro, yeah. Uh, I think before before uh, we rely on our gifts, before we you know know the strategic answer. I want to be sensitive to the spirit. So, so yeah. good. So and good.
1: and if you, if you go through the process of creating your own staff values, hey, ask the Lord before you start activating right. and strategizing, just <laughs> sit with them for a little bit and ask, just devote a, devote some time to praying. And I promise you, it'll be way more productive when you get to the whiteboard.
0: That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. And then I think a leader, you know, most of us tend to know what types of situations we can put ourselves in to hear from God, you know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, It's never for me in front of the uh, laptop finding out uh, (laughs) emails. That's never, you know. And so you you know uh, where, when, how. uh, And I'd encourage you to put yourself in those positions Mm -hmm. more and more so you can hear from God. So really good, brother. Okay, uh, the next point, uh, I've got it here, that you made uh, with our staff was a dependent staff is committed to gazing, instead of glancing at Jesus. This is like your your trademark phrase yeah. that's traveled all over oh. the world. So uh, lay it on us, man. The, what what I, do you mean by that?
1: I believe that wording is Tozer, so I can't take credit for it, but- people, There's people but, convinced <laughs> yeah. literally
0: around the world uh, in other languages that you said it, Okay, uh, but well, yes.
1: Uh, to uh, Giving credit to Tozer, but I do love the idea that, um, you know what? Psalm 27, 4, David says, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And just that idea that, you know what, the the greatest joy and the greatest sight comes from taking the time to gaze at Jesus. It's like, I, I, when I did college ministry, I used to tell college students, like, no one's... St- dating story or marriage story is, hey, I passed this girl on campus every Monday, Wednesday, Friday and said hi to her. Like that's no one's story. Like we passed by each other Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and now we've been married 25 years. No, it's it starts with we went on a date, I looked her in the face, we started talking, I started learning about her and over time, the more time I spent with her. so it's the same idea that, you know, in ministry and I feel it. I feel that the the pressure of the the urgent. You know, it's like there's you wake up and you're just like, I got so much to do today. And so the tendency is to just glance at Jesus. It's like, I got five minutes. Let me just glance real quick. And I just think that sometimes God waits to show us more of himself until we're ready to see him. You know, like I think he loves us. Too much to not give us all of himself in two minutes. Yeah. You know, because I think about what David says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Yeah. You know? It's to sit with him, to be with him. And so, you know, it's really easy to be a Martha in church. And I think the invitation is to be a Mary, to to sit with the Lord. And and personally I'll just say this, like the I think I realized the best thing I can do for Watermark Community Church is walk with God. Yeah. That's the best thing I can do is to minister out of an overflow. And there's times where, where I get depleted and I'm more straining than I am just ministering out of an overflow. And I want to be really sensitive to those times because you don't want to wake up one day and be like, I don't, I can't think of the last time that I really enjoyed being with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. it's good. We're, um,
0: so I, we, we can wrap up here in a second, but I want to say I, I, uh, I know you well enough uh, to know you've got credibility to say what you just said um, there because I, I was remembering about a year ago we were someplace fun and you're sitting down just praying and reading your Bible. And I just kept walking by in these increments of like five to 10 minutes, you know, just see if you were ready to go do something fun. And you're still, there you are, you know, uh, you were gazing at Jesus and, and praying and things like that. And I wanted, I wanted to go have fun. And so, uh, so I've seen you, I've seen you, uh, focus and, uh, and just be with Jesus. So, uh, and it, what a, what a solid last statement. Hey, the best, the best thing I can do uh, for this congregation, right? It's not read more books, go to more conferences, uh, come up with pithy sayings. It is uh, to walk Mm -hmm. with God. And so that's what you shared, uh, with our staff. Now, our hope is that we begin to kind of implement it at the team level, uh, talk about it, celebrate it, correct it, uh, give examples of what that would look like. And then hopefully, um, increasingly this will be, uh, be something that marks our staff. And uh, it won't be something that we just talk about once. That's not the only time our staff will hear about this. And, you know, remember three years ago when TA said we should be dependent? It's going to be a a drum we have to bang over and over and over again. And actually, on our agenda, our DLT. Uh, agenda for next week. That's actually yeah. one of the things I know. It's like how how are we going to implement this? Um, so it's not just coming yeah. up with this. There's also an implementation, um, just kind of discipline uh, to make sure this goes through the staff. Yep. So um, anything else, brother? Before we uh, before we land the plane, no,
1: I just say you will know that the that the your staff values have become effective when your people don't just know them, and and it's not just that they're able to recite them. It's that they enjoy identifying how they are living them out. That's good. You know, it's, it'll be the greatest joy when you hear your own staff saying, Hey, because we are a dependent people, this is what, this is why we're doing this. Like that just tells you, okay, they've taken root. That's good. So,
0: uh, we'll link in the show notes, uh, this document here that we're working on. And from my perspective, TA, I'm not going to criticize your work because you're the one that uh, put all this <laughs> in. But there's a lot of there's a lot of words and so I think I think this is a great model if I if I were to start again I might put less words uh, on the page so that everybody can be crystal clear on what it is that mm. you're calling people to the, these were uh, there's a lot of words here that are illustrative and so there's different ways to kind of you know uh, attack the problem and um, but it we'll put that in the show notes for you uh, as as a model uh, if that's helpful at all Gi don't uh, don't care which values uh, you choose, um, but let them be uniquely yours. Be thoughtful, be prayerful uh, about them, and just continue to call those that you uh, that you work with, that you serve with, that you lead to these. So these weren't our. And to be clear, I, I don't know if we talked about this at the top. These aren't our church's values. Right. Uh, we've got that's a whole separate podcast episode. But this is just ours as a staff, as ministers of the gospel here on our staff. So, uh, brother, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom. Thanks for putting in the really hard work. On this project, thanks for sharing with our staff and, and also with our uh, our audience here and and I hope I hope you bring enough socks to uh, the DFT <laughs> retreat and you yeah. can actually sleep. <laughs> that'll so be that'll good. be the opener the next time you're here.
1: What a closing!
0: <laughs> there you go. So, uh, friends, thanks so much for listening. As always, uh, we can serve you, help you. Uh, if you have any um, you know ideas for future episodes, you can always reach us at CLP at watermark.org. That's CLP at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time.